This podcast was recorded for the Sound Environment Show on Radio Galari. Radio Galari is a community radio station based in the Kimberley, Western Australia. For more information, go to www.galari.com. And we have come to the news portion of the show. And some good news, some bad news. I'm going to start with some bad news, at least if you're a humpback whale. There have been a couple of studies that have been done recently that suggest that humpback whales have new threats. Uh, humpback whales, of, the number of humpback whales, of course, went down quite a lot during Australia's whaling history, but they have managed to bump up the numbers in recent years after you know, whaling stopped. But unfortunately, there are new threats, as University of WA researchers have found. Now, one is that climate change could be affecting the amount of krill in the water. If there's not enough krill, then humpback whales don't have enough to eat, they don't get fat enough, and then when they're doing their migrations, they might just um, get tired and, and run out of energy because, of course, they need they need energy to migrate and they you know, need energy to reproduce. I mean, basically, like a whale, like anything else, needs to eat, and if there's no food, it's in trouble. Combined with that, a lot of human disturbances... Uh, exist now that didn't used to before. Some of these disturbances include mining off the coast and of Exmouth, places like the Exmouth Gulf and Shark Bay and also boats. Now the whales are a little bit uh, put off by these and it does disturb their migration patterns. It does mean sometimes that they don't get to rest in the places that would normally rest. So these poor little whales, maybe they're getting, you know, they could be getting a little bit skinny uh, because of the under a climate change scenario with the reducing krill uh, and then if there's human disturbances as well that means that they need more energy to deal with these disturbances it really it's not a good you know it's not good for the whales and it could mean um, ultimately that we will see more whales beaching themselves off the coast of WA as they just sort of run out of steam as they do their migration as the years go by under these two threats so mm, two studies things not looking good for the whales uh, on a slightly more positive note, hopefully, uh, about 100 scientists backed by three of the nation's leading marine science organisations have um, said that they want high-level protection for the marine, reser- marine reserves in the new Great Kimberley Marine Park that's slowly being put together. They want it to have the same level of protection as the Great Barrier Reef because it is such a pristine, awesome... You know, It's one of the few really pristine areas of ocean left on the planet uh, and they would like to see it... Um, preserved for the whales, for the turtles, um, for all the little fishies. Dugongs, all those things. Um, I know there's been a big push to get marine parks happening, given that um, the federal government is still, I think, doing a a review of marine parks and it's been a big stall in the decision to implement those. That's right. It is still under review and they are still mulling over their options so hopefully they will come to a good decision there fingers crossed um in more depressing climate change news if we can go to that (laughs) there's (laughs) oh i know even though countries have pledged to reduce emissions by 2030 and try and keep the rising global temperatures to only two degrees celsius it seems like it is unlikely to happen it's um i don't there was a excuse me uh recently at the united nations they were looking at what countries have actually done to reduce their emissions and it seems like that two degree um 
goal is likely not to happen. Policies are not coming through in the way that anyone had hoped and it's likely that by 2030 temperatures will rise by 2.6 degrees Oh, sorry. Uh, by, the end of the by the end of the century, uh, temperatures will rise by 2.6 degrees, which is, you know, it's pretty bad. It's the kind of climate change that will mean the world will suffer ever-worsening floods, droughts, storms and rising seas. Of course, that is still a few years away, so hopefully governments will get it together and get some proper climate change policies in place to, you know, stick to that two-degree target that we've all talked about. And a step in the right direction is that energy companies, in Australia at least, are starting to switch their rhetoric from trying desperately to fight renewable energy targets and, you know, grip their um, grip onto their coal-powered history. Um, they're now starting to admit that in the future, coal and fossil fuel power, fuel power is becoming increasingly non-profitable and, and not the thing that they want to follow. Um, oh, that's refreshing. Yeah. Uh, in Australia... Uh, since 2010, um, the amount of electricity supplied by fossil fuels has declined by 9.5%, and during that time, energy demand has fallen by 6.7%, while the Australian economy has grown by 9%. So even though there's an increase in activity in general, the amount of electricity we're using is dropping, and the amount of coal and gas electricity we're using is dropping even faster. Um, and Part of that, though, is that prices have fallen on average 12% a year since between 2007 and 2012. Prices have fallen. That means that the market revenue from fossil fuels in the national energy market has actually declined by more than half since 2007. So it's becoming less and less profitable to keep generating electricity in this way. That's a that's an incredible drop in profits um, for energy companies. That's right. And then when you couple that with um, the new Tesla batteries and other advances in technology, which we've reported on here over the last few weeks, you start seeing um, solar and wind energy becoming more and more viable um, as you have batteries that can tide you through the times when those resources aren't available. Um, the new Tesla battery, they're looking at it could be available for around less than half of the price per capacity per kilowatt hour of capacity than currently available units um, so if you set that up with people on a 10-year plan that we, there you go you know the cost of installing this will be averaged out over 10 years it'll be cheaper over the long run to get it um, you know so many people really really want to put this this sort of thing in their home they want to go solar um, it's really positive and then you had a situation recently in South Australia where there was some you know admittedly unusually strong winds for a sustained period to the to, le to the level that the amount of wind electricity generated in South Australia meant that no one noticed that one of the coal plants went offline <laughs> that's incredible it's incredible um, um what I mean, the coal for a couple of reasons I mean surely uh, your internal systems of your power plant would alert well, you. Okay, the power plant operators noticed it went offline, oh, okay. but none of, none of the customers noticed because there was enough wind oh. um, on that day to, provide to completely power. cover everyone's power needs. It was amazing. So there we go, lots of advances. Um, how are the, these power companies 
and sorry these energy companies responding how are they changing i think they're just um re-looking at their plans they're starting to concentrate on domestic solar rather than on big plants um there have been closures of several coal-fired plants around the country over the recent months um and possibly more to close it seems like even if government possible sorry, government policies not really supporting renewable energy, the economics of it are pushing energy companies that way anyway. That's right. So, I mean, it's a real paradigm shift. So, you know, there's a there's a bit of inertia that you have to fight against in this, but, you know, we're finally starting to see that happen.